Obviously, Nelly and I watching the college football championship game last night. I know you were as well. Yep. Uh, that Devontae Smith, man, he's pretty good, eh? That wide receiver, the, uh, Heisman, yeah. the Heisman winner. I mean, that's one of those where if he didn't win the Heisman, it's just a quarterback award. Uh, so it's time to, like, rename it. All right, so Rowdy and I were talking about, and we just started to scratch the surface of the conversation. Glad you uh, could pop in for this as well. Uh, you know, looking at Alabama and Ohio State last night, there is a definite big drop-off from Alabama to Ohio State. I mean, you saw it. I know Justin Fields didn't have the greatest game and some injuries early on for Ohio State, you know, affected their game plan. But still, even with that, I still think Ohio or Alabama wins the game. So Alabama, Ohio State. And then I advance it to the Big Ten. In the Big Ten, you have Ohio State. And then... And Nelson and I were talking about, you know, you can make the case that depending on the year, Wisconsin's either the second or third best team in the conference. I would say more likely than not the second best team. Um, I guess you could throw what? Penn State in there or Michigan, I guess. Could yeah. you say Michigan's the second best some years? Not anymore. Some years, I said. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so Historically. Look, looking at Wisconsin <clears> – <throat> They straddle the tier one, tier two line, correct? Or they? I mean, I think they're clearly tier two. Clear, clearly, like both feet are in tier two. Yes. What would you say, RJ? Yeah. Yeah. I, Maybe they dip to the toe in tier one way. every once in a while. They dip. They like dip a big toe in there. But uh, I'll go with what Rowdy's line of thinking. They're tier two. Tier one to me is like the clear cut blue bloods. Yeah, okay, like your yeah. Ohio States, like your Clemsons, like your Alabamas, like your Notre Dames, like. Even though Notre Dame maybe not necessarily has been the greatest over the last two years, mm-hmm. they've been pretty relevant the last five. <clears throat> so looking at Wisconsin, and then you look at that game last night, and I asked Rowdy, will Wisconsin win a national – did I say win or get to? Win. Will Wisconsin win a national championship in the next decade? No. Yeah, That was my quick answer as well. We all, And I also yeah. said I no. Mean, I said they'd be lucky to play in a college football playoff in the next 10 yeah. years. I think they can get there. They can probably get to a college football playoff. A sem- and, the semis. And, I mean, you even – honestly, that could be because it's an eight-team playoff in, in a couple of years. I, yeah. If they move it to eight teams, They're in. Wisconsin – They're in. How many times could they have been in in the last 10 years? They could have been in quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Yes. They're in. If- but they always seem to be – like that six to about ten. Mm-hmm. They always seem to come in there when they're having a really good season. Yeah, which would be perfect when you have an eighteen playoff. But when you take the top four, <laughs> when you take the top four and you get can't get past Ohio State, it gets pretty tough to get into that college football playoff. So RJ, I know we've talked about this before, but how did Alabama do it? Because Alabama, as Rowdy was talking about, we all know Bear Bryant, all that history. They've had they have history, and then they toiled around with just being an average team for God decades, and then all of a sudden you get this guy. Goes by the name of Nick Saban, and then boom. Is it literally just Nick Saban? How, how did Alabama do it? Because Wisconsin could, they could do it. I mean, when, a- any program when could. You have a five star recruit at every position and its backup. Yeah, but that you you work towards that. Like, how did it happen? Did, did, did it just happen like that? It helped having history and then getting yeah. a good coach. That's That's a great relationship right there, and it breeds success. I yeah. mean, when you have the history and you're located in the southeastern part of the United States. And then all of a sudden, maybe you had about a decade or two of of some not so great times, but it's not like they were bad, bad. No. It's not like they all no. of a sudden were. They had some bad, bad years in there. It's not like they were winning one to three games a year. They were still they were still a team that were somewhat team. bowl relevant. Mm-hmm. But then you get one of the the best college coach of all time. 
look what happens. Yeah. You start winning national title after national title, and if you're not in the top four, people are looking around saying, where's Bama at? Right. What happened right. to them this yeah, year? Yeah, where's Bama? Well, Paul Chris, oh, did they lose two games? I guess they got eliminated. Paul Chris, a great recruiter, is he not? Not on the same level as guys like Nick Saban. I understand that because we see it you know, unfolding every day or every year. But Paul Chris, good recruiter, good coach. What what does Wisconsin need to do? Is it literally get, like, they got the offensive line. They got the running backs. They have the defense. Is it literally just, what is it? Is it the quarterback position then and wide receivers? I think Wisconsin had, like, Wisconsin has, like, Wisconsin has the best defense year in and year out. One of the best the defenses thing that has to, in the country. to happen is you have to start to beat Ohio State. You have to start to win. The only way to get better and to get more recruits and to continue on the success that they've been having the last few seasons is to win. But that goes for pretty much every sport at every single yeah. level. You're going to start getting better players coming in if you win. Because I mean, players what, want to win. Wisconsin has statistically one of the best defenses in the nation year in and year out. You have one of the greatest offensive lines year in and year out. You just had a running back named Jonathan Taylor who is statistically the best running back to ever play in college football in a three-year span. Before that, look at the prestige and lineage of Wisconsin running backs. Like They have, every, they have all the pieces but a couple. It's yeah. like why can't you make that next step? Because they can never they never feel the full team that's complete in the same season. Like when they had Jonathan Taylor, they also struggled to find a quarterback for a lot of those years, aka Alex Hornibrook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or when they when Alex Hornibrook was playing well, Quintez Cephas was in legal trouble and some of the other wide receivers didn't step up. I mean they're they're they've never had a complete or like when they won twelve games. Jonathan Taylor was pretty good. Yeah. The defense was pretty good. Alex Hornibrook blew. Oh, <laughs> he was bad. He's like, bad. if they had a good quarter, how many times could you say it? If they had a good quarterback this year, they would be great. Look at what yeah. they did with Russell Wilson for one season. Right. And I think the other thing we've seen uh, from the, this coaching staff, I mean, we've seen it in games where they, especially on the offensive side of the ball, adjustments aren't made. Um, like, well, that offense is. Well, I'd say I'd say the biggest thing is just having a complete team because they always seem to be missing one part of a team that could be a top four team. No, do you think whether it be quarterback, whether it be a top ten defense that season? Say they say they end up being like a top forty defense, but the offense was really good. They always just seem to be missing that one piece to put them over the edge. I don't understand how you can't get those pieces in when you have a, the best defense, when you have a running back to complement your offense, when you have an offensive line, when you have, you know, all the things Wisconsin has afforded to them. It's like, how can you not get – if you're a quarterback, you know, I know we'll see what happens with Graham Mertz moving forward, biggest group we've had. Like, how do you not sell that being like, yo, look at the offensive line, look at the running back we have to complement you, look at the defense we have to keep us in games. All we need is you. They're not a blue blood. Yeah. Well, yes, I understand that. But that's why kids don't want to go. But you have to. You have to. You have to. Like then, how do you get at, to that level? As much as to con- to like convince this kid with a, a briefcase full of money, pretty much money, or you have to beat those <laughs> pretty much money, or you have to beat those blue bloods when you're on national TV, like the Ohio State's in the Big Ten championship game. It's, like that's the only way that you can do it at a lo- as a lower level. Look at Dabo Sweeney. He hit the scene. He recruited well. He coached him up, and then he beat those teams. Yeah. And now he's a powerhouse. It's plain and simple. That that's all it is. Like, it's all has to do with the history of a program. 
So you need to you need to somehow capture lightning in a bottle, exactly, and hope you and hope the planets align, the stars align, and you somehow miraculously beat a blue blood. Yep, and then pray and cross your fingers that recruits watch it and want to come there because of it. And it, that's it. it? Yes. It has to be on a and maybe very give them large cash. national stage. And give them some cash, And maybe. the only thing Wisconsin could probably do that would help them also would be lower their uh, test scores to get I more think that, players into school. I think that might be. Well, that's there's, a really there's big there's one seasons, right there. what was it, probably about a decade ago, where USC obviously wasn't the UFC of the early 2000s, but yet they still had like 10 running backs. <laughs> on the roster, and I think the worst one was like a four star. Yes, yeah. but if you're if you're a four and five star player, you still want to go to USC, even when there's five to ten other guys that are just as good and highly rated as you at the same position. Why is that? Because you're a blue blood. They want to play for the USCs. They want to play for the Texases. Is Texas I mean, back then? I don't know. <laughs> is Texas I back? I saw, I saw people say it. Are you seeing Stark right now? Texas is back. Texas is back, baby. Well, I mean, they still get all the good players. They still get some of the better players. Yeah. Yeah. The talent never left. No one really knows. Yeah. Well, actually, I kind of do. We have figured it out. Beat the Blue Bloods. Pray recruits are watching it. And then give them a bunch of cash. And just because you coach at, <laughs> at a Blue Blood school doesn't mean you're necessarily a great coach. Right. No, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, somehow God. Clay Helton's still employed. <laughs> Out of all the people around the, the country that are unemployed or have been unemployed in the last year, how Clay Helton still has a job is beyond me. So looking at the way too early 2021 rankings for the college football's top 25 before we talk Packers and Badger basketball, I'll tell you where Wisconsin falls here. But first, let's start at number one. Number one, not Alabama, goes to the Clemson Tigers for the way too early projections as uh, they're projected to lose Trevor Lawrence, you know, their running back, their wide receiver, Rodgers, uh, you know, a couple guys on defense, yada, 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 but they're getting some nice additions. They say the Tigers' shortcomings were exposed in the college football playoffs for the second season in a row as they were pushed around a defense and couldn't protect Lawrence. This time, at least, those problems might be blamed on their youth and inexperience. At potential number one pick in the NFL draft, Trevor Lawrence, as well as, what is their running back's name, Travis Etienne? Etienne. Etienne. Will be remembered as one of the best players in school history. He's a stud. And Rodgers on the perimeter is another big loss, but they say that they're bringing back you know, experience, and they're actually going to be ranked number one for the er- way-too-early projections. Number two goes to the Alabama Crimson Tide. This is ESPN. That, may, that whole explanation makes no sense. Well, they, then they went and said the good, that was the bad news. If they get exposed, it'll be because they're young. But yet we're going to rank them number one because they have they have nobody on their roster who's proven them. I find it tough not to write, rank Alabama number one after winning the title the champion. and returning a lot of players. But yes, they'll lose a lot of players. But obviously, if you want to say they're going to be young too, they're yeah. also going to be young five stars. Yeah, yeah. Alabama Crimson Tide in the way too early projections ranked number two. I mean, they're going to lose Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Uh, you know, guys on their line. Yada, yada, yada. But they do that every single year. Yeah, it's it's a revolving door, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Number three for the way-too-early projections goes to the Oklahoma Sooners. Spencer Rattler coming back. Rattler. He struggled to start the season but played well at... Yeah. Number four goes to the Georgia Bulldogs. Because Kirby Smart can recruit really well but uh, doesn't coach him up any better than Mark Rick. Number five goes to the... Ohio State University, the Buckeyes. Makes sense. Yeah. Number six, the Texas A&M Aggies. Number seven, the North Carolina Tar Heels. 
Number eight, the Iowa State Cyclones. Move your body like a cyclone. Is Purdy actually going to come back, or is he going to transfer? And I don't even know about North Carolina. They just lost their two top running backs. Sam Howell's coming back. They though. say Purdy's. Oh, they say Purdy's oh. returning with quarterback Brock Purdy and tailback Brees Hall returning. To, the Cyclones might have two Heisman Trophy contenders in 2021. Pretty sure Howell's a sophomore. Okay. So okay, Cyclones up there at eight. Number nine, the USC Trojans. No, don't get it. Ten. All right, here's start getting. Besides Ohio State, start getting your. Remember big how 10. I said you get a lot of respect if you're a blue blood. There, number nine, USC. Yeah. <laughs> number ten, out of the Big Ten, the Indiana Hoosiers. See that one is that one blows my mind because they're losing some players. And do you really think that Michael Penix Jr. will be back? I mean, he yeah, tore his ACL late in the year. Yeah, he did. And I, I guess you have the potential of uh, uh, what's his face? What's the backup? Tuttle? Tuttle. Uh, who was an elite eleven quarterback? But hey, still. Badger, Badgers but were recruiting him. Here's a th- like Tuttle played well for the most part. You could tell that he hurt his arm against Ole Miss in that yeah. game and did not look did not look good. But you could also tell he was hurt. Probably shouldn't even have been out there. Yeah. But Tuttle's not as good as Michael Penix Jr. So they say Penix recovery from a torn ACL and his right knee will be monitored closely this summer. Um, and that's literally all they say about they tore in like November. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be back, but they are ranking out of the Big Ten, Ohio State fifth, the Indiana Hoosiers number ten. Think about that one. Well, th- at least for Wisconsin, if you're looking at it in a positive light here, even if they are both live up to that uh, billing, they have to play each other, and only one can play in the Big Ten championship. Yeah, number eleven goes to the Cincinnati Bearcats. Here you go, out of the Big Ten. Got Fry Fogel staying. There you go. Out of the Big Ten, here's another one ranked in the top 25, not named Wisconsin. The Iowa Hawkeyes coming in at number 12. Well, we I can I mean I don't know about number 12, but I can see them being better. I mean we talked about how they have a really good roster overall. They have a, a deep roster at defense. They have good running backs. They always have good offense and defensive line. Mm-hmm. We talked about it this year going into the Iowa. They lost two games by less than a four, touchdown. Four points yeah. total. And it really, it was just the quarterback position. Yeah. Nate Stanley was a guy that he had the the frame to be an NFL type quarterback. He had the arm and the frame, but he was above average. The kid they brought in this year, that was the first year starting. He wasn't Ooh. very good. If they had <laughs> if they had a Nate Stanley type quarterback again this year, I think they probably would have been representing the West in the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, moving yeah, they, on. They wouldn't have lost those two games. So right now, out of the Big Ten, five goes to Ohio State. Ten goes to the Indiana Hoosiers. Number 12, now the Iowa Hawkeyes. We'll continue on for the way too early top 25 as the Oregon Ducks come in at number 13. They came on strong at the end of the year. Yep. Number 14, the Washington Huskies. Who should have been in the Pac-12 championship game over Oregon. Number 15, Rowdy secondary team, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who now might be led by Jack Cohen. Yeah. Um, they, well, look look at what Notre Dame did defensively against Alabama. Held yeah. them to 31 points, and their defensive uh, defensive line and corners played extremely well. Now looking back on it, hindsight yeah. 2020 against those Alabama offensive line, which was really good, uh, and, and they, their receivers. Yeah, and they just lost their D coordinator, but they brought in Cincinnati's D coordinator. Yeah. So I and especially how you see Cincinnati's defense playing, it's not like that. Kind of philosophy is going to be. A I'm big not. Drop I'm off. not a Brian Kelly guy. Neither but am I. but they're playing. They they have a lot of talent in there. They've been playing good. If ball. Jack Cohn gets the start, which I I assume he'll be the starter. This turnaround. Well, they got how many quarterbacks they have? They have three. With Cohn now or four? With Cohn. 
Because they got this guy coming in that that Tyler, they have Tyler Buckner. They got Cohen. Yeah. Jack Cohn didn't transfer to sit on the bench, though. That's yeah. true. I'm um, sure they told him that. It's kind of weird how Notre Dame's success started happening once the demeanor of Brian Kelly changed on the sideline. Where he wasn't like kind of quiet, where he actually like gets pissed off. No, no, no. <laughs> like where his face isn't the color of our shirts right now, and he's mf the cardinal red, and he's mfing players as they're coming off for minor mistakes. Is he like bumping the never? Chest I never the liked the Kelly hire, even when the, when it was. But I mean, he's been pretty successful. Yeah. All right, number sixteen for the way too early top twenty-five. Keep in mind, I have not yet named Wisconsin as Ohio State five, Indiana ten. The Iowa Hawkeyes, 12. Coming in now at number 16. I'm doing the Gator Chomp. The Florida Gators, number 16. The Swamp. Kyle Trask, he gone. Um, yeah, they lose a lot of good are players. Are they getting another Pouncey? Is Ethan Pouncey key additions? Is he related to the other Pounceys? Oh, that definitely does not look... Not, yeah, he could look. Well, he's 6'1", 168 pounds. I don't know. Those other Pounceys are big boys. All right, boys, so 16 Florida Gators, and finally. Well, they lose that that tight end slash receiver that I'm blanking on his name right Pitts? now. It's Pitts, who's yeah. a complete animal. Yeah, and finally, coming in ranked 17th for the way-too-early top 25 projections in 2021, your Wisconsin Badgers. 17th. Jordan, Ethan, Pouncey are the younger cousins okay, cousin. of Marquise. That was the cousin yeah. that wasn't fed at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah. He got the like the, the the little scraps leftovers. Well, it looks like both of them aren't big guys. <laughs> well, here you go, boys. The, uh, number seventeen, your Wisconsin Badgers. Above them, the Iowa Hawkeyes, the Indiana Hoosiers, and obviously uh, Ohio State. Wisconsin's got a lot of stuff to figure out after this year. Well, here you go. Here's their projected losses with their key additions. Projected, uh, projected returning starters: eight offense, seven defense, two special teams. Their losses will be Cole Van Lannen, John Dietzen, Isaiah Loudermilk. Loudermilk's going to the NFL. Garrett Rand, I think he just retired. Yeah. And safety, Eric Burrell. Their key additions will be wide receiver Marcus Allen, uh, the five-star beast that is uh, the tackle, Nolan Rucci, safety, Hunter Wohler, and defensive end, TJ Bowlers, Bowlers, excuse me, as well as safety, Braylon Allen. Yeah. and That Nolan Rucci is a mean, big signing. All your starting linebackers are coming back. Defensively, you're not too worried about it. Offensively, uh, yeah, are some question of those, marks. Yeah, are what's Graham those... Mertz gonna play like? Graham Mertz played one really good game, and then everything Michigan after was that, okay. It's been question mark or not very good. I mean, you look at the running back room. We talked about it after the Duke's Mayo Bowl. It's probably the worst running backs room Wisconsin has had in twenty years. Well, Jalen Berger is obviously the best there, but they, he only got fifteen carries and they've sitted. Then you look at then you look at the the receivers and Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor one were unable to stay healthy. You'd think both of them are coming back, but you'd also like to add depth. It really hurt the receiving core when, obviously, Quintez Cephas left for the NFL, and then um, Crookshank transferred to Rutgers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. and, and then you go one further and look at the tight ends. Yeah, they brought in Rucci. You'll have Ferguson announce he's coming back. But outside of that, I mean, there's not there's not a ton of great options, so, in my opinion. Here's their outlook. Here's what they say about Wisconsin and being ranked 17th for the 2021 season. <clears throat> outlook. Few programs had their seasons disrupted by COVID-19 more than the Badgers, who had two games canceled and another one postponed. They looked like Big Ten West title contenders after an early 49-11 route at Michigan, but then Graham Mertz, quarterback, was sidelined after testing positive for the coronavirus. Wisconsin never seemed to regain its momentum from there. It's 
Offense also played without top wide receivers Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor for much of the season because of concussions. The Badgers scored fewer than seven points in three straight losses. Mertz should improve after a full offseason, and Pryor has already announced that he is coming back. Finally, their last uh, sentence, Jim Leonard's defense once again ranked in the top ten in scoring and total defense, and with linebackers Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel returning, the unit will be among the best in the FBS in 2021, period, dot. Well, RJ already touched on it. I think uh, you look at the defense, you shouldn't really really be worried. And depending on, it it sounds like Reggie Pearson might be cleared to come back. Wasn't it, was it his dad that sent out a tweet? I think so, yeah. That said. It's always the parents. Thank you, parents. His dad basically said he's coming back. Well, and then you you listen to some of the recruits that you listed on that, from that article talking about how here are some incoming players. A lot of those were defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they got a lot of we talked about it the last two, three years. They continue to recruit better and better every year. Well, this was a off or defensive heavy top end of that uh recruiting class. So yeah, I'm not too worried about the defense, but look at what happened this year. Yeah. The defense was really good. It was all offense. It was okay, who's gonna play running back? What receivers are healthy? How well yeah. is Graham Mertz gonna play? The question marks are on offense. Yeah. Oh and yeah. Well, th- this and I'm not worried has, about the line. Uh, no. Off- offensive lineman and uh, Marcus Allen. Yeah. That. Well, you look at Graham Mertz. <laughs> obviously, we have Mertz mania against Illinois, and then Michigan, which the Illinois game was incredible. Then you have Michigan. It was a good performance, and then after that, it was bad. And then you look at what they've brought in the last few years on the offensive line. They brought in Logan Brown. You bring in Jack Nelson. You brought in Trey Weedig, and then now you you're talking about how. That's the offensive line. I'm not. It's Wisconsin offensive line. I'm not too worried about the offensive line. They'll figure it out. They're gonna have yeah. some some big old farm guys playing <laughs> offensive line. I'm sure of it. It's it's all the other positions: receiver, quarterback, running back. Well, you got this receiver Marcus Allen coming in. I'm excited to see. You know, Chimray DK looked looked good when given opportunities over the you know the the true freshman last the year that just was. And you got Kendrick Pryor coming back, and uh, I think. I'll feel Danny lot, Davis is going to come back. I'd assume, but he hasn't said anything yet. I'll feel a lot better when it's next fall, and we know that Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor are healthy and back. Yeah, because if you, I know Kendrick Pryor said he's coming back, but if you lose those guys to injury and or leaving, That's tough. that that creates another huge hole at receiver. Because yeah, Chim Ray DK did play well for a freshman. Yeah, but now you're bringing in another guy that you hope can play. You don't actually know if he can play at that level until you actually get him in to practice. No, on the field. My biggest concern is has to be quarterback, just because. Oh yeah, that's that's always been the concern, right? Because we saw what Graham Mertz can do when he's great, but we've also saw him at his worst, and it's it's not fun. And the, the running backs, the running back room. You see, well, the we're Kiyawasa we're excited transfer. about the we're excited about the progression and career of Jalen Berger coming up. And he, you would hope that they he start the to, part. to give him thirty carries, yeah, but, instead of capping him off at fifteen, right? <laughs> Hey, oh, Jalen Berger got his 15th carry. I know it's uh, in the third quarter right now, but, you know. Wisconsin definitely has the potential to be a top 15 team. Do you agree with them being 17th with the way too early projections in 2021? 17th? I think it might be a little bit high, but I think they're a top 25. Yeah. And then rounding out. I mean, just have a lot of question marks. Do you agree? How about this, though, with the Iowa Hawkeyes being ranked 12th and the Indiana Hoosiers being 10th? I mean, I would, I would, right now, I would put Iowa ahead of Wisconsin. And Indiana? I don't know about Indiana. I know Fry Fogel's coming back, but the Penix Jr., I don't think he's going to be ready. I don't ready. think he'll be ready either. We'll see what Tuttle does. Tuttle looked all right. Nothing, nothing too crazy, but 
he didn't look very good in the bowl game, but he looked injured. Yeah. I don't know exactly what Indiana's losing, but th- I mean, they did beat up on Wisconsin when they played them. So did Iowa. And Wisconsin still has the same question marks going into next season. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm cool with Indiana and Iowa being ranked ahead of them. If anything, it should be a little low. Maybe if but. anything, it should be some motivation for them to uh, play better next year. Yeah, Velda here back with the Green Bay Packers, and I guess he was dethought earlier this season because. Is he the first player in NFL history? As Valdehir comes back, the Packers sign him for offensive line help. Valdehir played, I'm not even kidding, last weekend for the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC wildcard where they lost to the Buffalo Bills. Valdehir was signed to the practice squad, activated, played, and then obviously because the Colts lost, his season was over. And now... The Packers, as they did, what, two years ago, they signed him for a stretch there for offensive line help. Jason Veldier now back for the Green Bay Packers, possibly the only player ever to play for two different teams in the playoffs. This yeah, is crazy. So, so the product, the process for Valdir here, once the season is over, your roster is frozen, so you can't just cut a player and have them play elsewhere. Wait, did you say your roster is frozen? Yes. <laughs> so they're dethawing him? However... Practice squad players are still eligible to be signed, so Valdir was elevated off the practice squad for Indy and was never signed, thus able to play for both teams. So they elevated him from the practice <laughs> squad for that one game because they needed him, awesome. but he was never signed because the season was over once they lost. How awesome is that? So now he is eligible to sign with the Packers. That's just badass, dude. Yeah, Jason Valdir back with the green and gold. Um you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in this situation? You need some some health, some help at the line, and he is a guy that's familiar with the Green Bay Packers. It's not like you're going to have some save. It's not like David Bakhtiari is going to come running through those doors, Rowdy, to come save you. Well, it's a great signing. I mean, we've talked about how good the offensive line has been all season, but they've had injuries pretty much all season. Lane Taylor was victim number one. Yeah. His ACL froze and it didn't move with the rest of his leg. <laughs> yeah. He was done. Corey Lindsley was out for a decent chunk of time. Obviously, now you have Bakhtiari, all having big major injuries. Thankfully, Lindsley uh, didn't have a season ender. But then you've also had like guys like Rick Wagner's been dinged up. Yeah, poor Ricky. I mean, it's been a revolving door at a lot of different positions, and Valdir signing just gives you even more insurance. Yeah, they've plugged John Runyon Jr. in, and he's played pretty well. Yeah, they've moved Elkin Jenkins all over the field, and he's played pretty well. Yeah, Lucas Patrick has been plugged in at guard and at center at times, and he's played pretty well. Valdir is a great signing because remember when they signed him last year? Yeah, Brian Belaga got sick. Because they had injuries, he's a guy that's familiar with your team, though he wasn't there that long, but he's familiar. And he's, he played good when he was in. Yeah, he's he's an NFL veteran that's been around for a long time. Yes, sir. And the last couple of years... You can remember the Packers signed him late. And now this year, Indy signs him late. So he's a veteran that hasn't necessarily been taking all the lumps all exactly. season long. He's healthy. He, he's healthy. He's he knows the system. You. And back in his day was a pretty good player. You're not asking him to be David Bakhtiari. No. You're asking him to be serviceable when called upon. And last year when he was called upon, he was very serviceable. When Bulaga got sick and was a- unable to play against the Seahawks in the playoffs, Valdir filled in and did very well, and the Packers won that game. So, and I mean, what what a last two years for him, too. No kidding. I mean, what the hell was he doing before? Could you imagine just kind of sitting on your couch and you've you've been retired after what would he he play, like nine, ten seasons? Yeah. 
and all of a sudden you get a call and the Packers sign you to play and you're on the roster for a few games. You can make a couple couple hundred thousand. You're like, yeah, okay, cool. You, nice chunk of cash for the three weeks that you're in the building. Yeah. You go back home, don't do anything, and then all of a sudden the next year, Indy calls you. Yeah, like, hey, hey. we need we need you for a game. All right, well, I'll be you got there. it, man. Can I borrow one of Philip Rivers' bolo yeah. ties? Then, Let's then, go. A, then a week later, you're signed by the Packers. Yeah. How about this? You lose to the Buffalo Bills. You're like, well, I just made a couple hundred grand. I'm gonna kick my feet up. He's probably chilling, you know, watching the rest of the playoffs, you know, unfold, watching this, watching that. I don't know if he's got a family, and I assume he does, being a family man. And all of a sudden, you get that ring again. Like, oh, this this number looks familiar. This, this is a this is a Green Bay area code. Yeah, hello. Oh, Brian Gutekunst. You need help? Yeah, why not, dude? I'll make another hundred thousand, couple hundred thousand dollars for a week, or maybe a couple weekends of play here. Why not? Rowdy, Valde here went through COVID testing, and he's got he's got the ability to win rings here, right? He does. Valde here went <laughs> through the definition of a ring chaser. He went through COVID testing in Indy yesterday. Then once he cleared that, he hopped in a car and drove six hours to Green Bay. Here he is, ready to get her going. I love it, dude. I think it's absolutely awesome. Jared Valdir is the NFL's definition of an NBA ring chaser. <laughs> J- Jared Valdir is, since we've been talking about him already this morning, Jawan Howard sitting on the end of the bench of uh, LeBron James' Miami Heat teams. Well, think about the career of Valdir. He's the clapper, almost assistant coach that, hey, you want you want some minutes today? Nah. nah. How about I'll go in a little later? Nah. Hey, tell me, just call me when you guys are in the playoffs, okay? Veld here last year. <laughs> then I'll go out there in the last minute of the game. <laughs> okay, so Veld here started his career in 2010 with the Raiders, and then he went uh, 2014. He was there until 2013. And then in 2014, he went to the Cardinals, and then in 2018, he got to Denver for a year. Then in 2019, he appeared in two games for the Packers, and then this year, right now, one game for the Indianapolis Colts, and he'll play another game this Saturday for the Green Bay Packers. How would you like to be this guy, man? You go from, you know, toiling around with the Oakland Raiders, and you're in there a little bit with the Cardinals, and then you go one year with the Denver Broncos, and then you're just sitting around, minding your own business, you know, living off your NFL money, having a nice little life, and the Packers last year call them up like, hey, man, okay, we're in the playoffs. Our guy Belaga just got sick. How'd you like to be on, I don't know, a 13-3 and team with Aaron Rodgers, who looks like they could possibly go to the Super Bowl? Sounds pretty good to me. Sign me up, dude. Where's the contract? I'll sign. So Valdir gets on there for a playoff roster. And then this year, who calls him, Rowdy? The Indianapolis Colts. What are they in? The playoffs. What does he have a chance at? A Super Bowl ring again. Well, they lose. You think your your you know dreams of chasing a ring are done. Well, what happens? The Green Bay Packers call you up again and say, hey, man, we got another 13-3 and team. We're even better than last year, and we're looking like we can get a ring. What do you want to do? You want to come play? Might as well kick the tires again. What a career. That's well, so cool. If you remember, the Packers were kind of kicking the tires on him in the offseason. Yeah. Before they signed, like, Ricky Wagner mm-hmm. and guys like that. B- before that, they were, and people in the media were talking about, maybe they go out and sign him again for some more insurance because Brian Belaga was walking away. They weren't exactly sure how the offensive line was going to fit together yet. They ended up going signing Ricky Wagner. You, dra- you draft... Uh, John Runyon Jr. So obviously they made um, some moves, but he was a guy that was talked about as being a potential uh, placeholder for a year or so until you can get the line assembled how you wanted it. Yeah. Now things didn't exactly work out that way, but he's back in the in the Packers uh, room. And I mean, so I'm looking at his uh, last couple of years here. 
<laughs> he made in 2019 between his little short stint with the Patriots and the Packers. He made nearly 1.8 million in 2019, and his one week with the Colts netted him almost $62,000. Good on him, dude. Well done, man. So I'll I'll say we'll just go roughly that his contract makes him $62,000 each. Good week. on him. So he'll make what 125-ish million or $125,000 here for playing in two games this year. That's awesome. That's not a bad gig if you can get it for two weeks of work. <laughs> No, not at all. You just gotta be. You just gotta eat a lot, be some beef on that line, and make sure you don't piss off Aaron Rodgers by putting him on his ass. Yeah, and don't let Aaron Rodgers get killed. Yeah, I mean that's. And listen, if you got to call up, let's say you're Valde here and you got to call up, I think that you would want to make sure Aaron Rodgers is pretty happy because you understand how good and important that guy is, and you're protecting one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time to ever do it. I think he's gonna be doing pretty well for himself. I don't think he did too bad against for the Colts. I, I think he did pretty well for himself. Well, I mean, they're in that game. You just listed it, wasn't he on the Packers roster for three weeks? Yeah, he made almost six hundred thousand dollars last year for that three weeks. Good on him, man. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That is so cool. I I love the story. What an underdog story of coming through the Packers. It's not what you know, folks. It's who you know. I want to talk about Brian Gutekunst coming up here. Goody is uh, Goody's wheeling and dealing here with the Packers into the playoffs. I love it. I want to talk what Brian Gutekunst has been able to accomplish these past couple weeks here uh, for the Green and Gold, and put that into context of his you know his tenure with the Packers so far. But yeah, man. So according to Adam Schefter, Veldhier would become the first ever NFL player in history to play for two different teams in the playoffs. That's that's pretty cool. What an accomplishment for a I bet you he never would have thought if you were to go back in time and ask him, what do you where did he even play college? Who did he even play for? I don't even know. Uh Hillsdale. Hillsdale College, Rowdy. If you're gonna go back to Hillsdale College in oh, I don't know, two thousand and nine and tell Jason Veldier, yo, dude, believe it or not. You will eventually become the first NFL player to ever two, to play for two playoff teams in the same year. I bet you he wouldn't believe it. Well, obviously he wouldn't. It's like, how the hell did you get back here? Was that DeLorean with the flux capacitor? How cool is that, man? So, uh, you know, week 17 this year, no Bakhtiari went down to that torn ACL. Expected that Billy Turner, as he did in the finale against Chicago, will be at left tackle. Rick Regner at uh, right. So Valdi here gives the Packers... Yeah, that's, Play both spots. that's the biggest thing. We're talking. We're taking a lot of time to talk about Jared Valdir, but hopefully he doesn't have to ever be used. It's just a nice insurance policy. Yeah, totally. It is a very nice insurance policy. And if we do see him Saturday against the LA Rams, well, last year against the Seahawks, he did pretty damn good. Uh, last week for the Colts, he did pretty damn good. So the Packers, you're going to be having a guy who's going to be pretty damn good. Well, what about for him being able to, to walk into a – offensive line and onto a team he walked into Indianapolis that was one of the better offensive lines and Phillip Rivers going into the last week of the season was actually sacked what was it one time less than Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. the Colts gave up the least amount of sacks going into week 17 so he walked into a really really good line and now he just happens to walk into the second best line when it comes to (laughs) giving up sacks well great timing right Fantastic timing. Well, that's what life is, right? It's all about timing. And it's not what you know, it's who you know. So if we do see Eaton Veld here, who has just signed with the Packers again, the first player in NFL history to play for two different teams in the playoffs, if we do see him protecting Aaron Rodgers on Saturday, 
He's going to be going up against the number one rated defense in the league. Well, guess what? The Rams have the number one defense, sure. But you know who's got the number one offense, Rowdy? Your Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, baby. How about this? Something's got to give Saturday, right? The L.A. Rams allow just 18.5 points a game. Your Green Bay Packers score 31.8 points a game. That's good for first in each category of offense and defense. Yeah, watching that Rams-Seahawks game, obviously Aaron Donald is a man. He He is. is a man among boys. He is a guy that... Could easily win Defensive Player of the Year again this year. What's a god amongst men, Rowdy? He's got the bad ribs. But another guy that was making plays off that edge was Leonard Floyd. And Packer fans should know him pretty well since he played for the Bears. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, Sasquatch Mike, our our Chicagoland Packer fan, I like was Chicago talking about how Leonard Floyd stunk. Yeah, I don't know. I watched him in that game. He looked pretty good. He, yeah, he did. <laughs> well, the the weird thing about Sasquatch Mike, I don't even think he listens to the show. I honestly don't. I think he just calls in to uh, laugh at the Bears, talk how he's worried about the Packers, and then drop some wild conspiracy theory on us. I I think I don't even think he really listens, Rowdy. To be honest with you, I'm crazy. So there you go for point point differences. The Rams allow just 18.5. Packers score 31.8. So if the Rams are allowing an average of 18.5, just just for a, a sake here, just just for an example, say they allow 21 points, three touchdowns to the Packers. Packers have an above-average offense. Obviously, you just said it best. Best, best, best scoring offense, Do you think Jared Goff and what that Rams offense looked like against Seattle can score more than three touchdowns? No. I don't, I don't either. Jared Goff... No, no, no. How about this, Rowdy? Passing yards allowed. The Rams allow 190.7 passing yards. That's first for defense. The Packers' passing yards are ninth in the league, 256.6 yards a game on offense. Something's got to give there. How about this? Rushing yards allowed. The Rams are third in rushing yards allowed for their defense at 91.3 a game. While the Packers on offense are eighth in the league, rushing for 132.4 yards a game. Okay. Aaron Jones, what's up, brother? Jamal Williams, what's going on, man? AJ Dillon, use those thick thighs and that big old butt to get through. How about the LA Rams on sacks? Something we don't see Rodgers, you know, too much is on his ass. Well, the Rams get to the quarterback. On defense, the second most in the league, 53 sacks. The Packers' offensive line, they have allowed 21 sacks, Rowdy. That's second in the league. And then finally, takeaways. The L.A. Rams take away the ball 22 times. That's tied for 10th in the league. Well, giveaways, what what does Aaron Rodgers not do? Throw interceptions. Yeah, he doesn't turn the football over. Um, giveaways, the Packers are first in the league in a good sense. I've only given the ball away 11 times. That's pretty damn good. So Packers, Rams, points allowed. Rams are number one. Packers are number defense. Packers are number one on offense. Passing yards allowed. Rams are number one in a good sign of things. First in the league. Packers are ninth in the league on offense of, of passing yards. Rushing yards allowed on defense. Rams are third in the league. Rushing yards on offense, Packers are eighth in the league. Sacks, 
that get to the quarterback on defense, 53, that's second for the Rams. Sacks allowed, 21, that's second in the league for the Packers on offense. And takeaways, tied for 10th in the league on defense for the Rams at 22. Giveaways, first, in a good sense, 11 for the Packers. So what you're saying is there's a lot of good matchups heading into this Saturday afternoon game. That's exactly what I'm saying, Rowdy. The number one offense versus the number one defense, I think Saturday is going to be pretty damn fun. So what do the Packers got to do to best this number one defense in the land? Just let Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers? What if we get? What are we going to do when, Aaron, when uh, Devontae Adams is going to be shadowed? Well, here's the thing. By, uh, by uh, um, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey was statistically one of the best corners this season. Pro mm-hmm. football focus, pretty much graded out. Him and Jair Alexander were the best two corners, and they, they both should have been first-team All-Pro. Yeah. Well, they forgot Jair Alexander off that list. Yeah, Jair Alexander did not make even uh, first-team All-Pro, which is uh, kind of crazy. But if you look at Devontae Adams, he's definitely the number one receiver in this league this season. Yeah, he's the I best receiver. for the first half of the year, but to, You've continue, seen the light? to continue to watch him and see what he's been doing, I think Devontae Adams clearly this season was the best receiver in football. Hands down. So you're going to see the number one corner versus the number one receiver. All I know is that if you're really that good, which I think Devontae Adams is, he's still going to get his at times. Yeah. He might be taken away here and there, but I'll tell you this, Aaron Rodgers will not look away from Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams. He's not going to pull the Richard Sherman, oh. I'm only going to look at two-thirds of the field. Yeah, where they didn't even that pass that side of the field. That again, I guarantee Wasn't it. that disgusting when that happened? It 100% was. I guarantee that won't happen on Saturday. I'm not saying he's going to throw it to Devontae Adams 20 times, but he will not look away from him like he looked away from Richard Sherman. He he that that was never, a, that ever, was that was terrible. Should have happened. I hated that. That was terrible. They didn't even throw that side of the field where Sherman. Was. I still think Devontae Adams gets his at times. I think obviously Jalen Ramsey might limit him to a a lesser game than what we're accustomed to seeing Devontae Adams play. But that's where. Valdez Scantling is going to come in. Yep. That's where Bob Tunyon's going to come in. That's where Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon in that run game, if they can give him any bit of help there, that's going to be key. Or even using Aaron Jones like they were towards the end of the season, getting him in the slot, giving him swing passes out in space, getting him open. Mm-hmm. That's – or even Allen – Alan Lazard. Yeah, Lazard. Don't forget about Lazard. crossing patterns. Hell, I just Those saw Akumania St. Brown have a freaking touchdown the other day, too. Those are the players that will have to step up because you have to imagine that a guy like Jalen Ramsey will, will be able to limit Devontae Adams. He will not shut Devontae Adams down because when you're that good, you don't get shut down. You get The yeah. best they can do is try to contain you. Well, I got to say, get your popcorn ready because it's going to be a really good matchup. But if, right? I'm the, but if I'm the Rams, I'm nervous because... What do the Packers have when you're talking about moving the football? And I believe that the the Green Bay offense will be able to move the football better than the Rams offense. They'll oh, be able yeah. to score For sure. more points more consistently than that Rams offense if it's anything what I've seen the last few weeks of the season since Jared Goff hurt his thumb. Yep. The thing with the Rams is that their best receiver, Cooper Cup, is now nursing a knee injury. Yeah, his knee's messed up. Now they're up. expecting him to play, but you got to imagine that he's going to be full of pain medication and that knee's not going to feel good. Invest in Toradol. He, he's not going to be 100%. Did you buy stock in Toradol? But this is this is where it might... No, no jokes, no? Nothing? No, I didn't. But this is where it might... This, Kevin King, yeah, we make fun of him for being able 
or not being able to tackle very well, but he is a, a solid, decent cover corner. Now, if you take a Kevin King and say Cooper Cup has a, a bad knee where he's not playing as well, you could either even pair Jair Alexander, or I'd say if, if he's really that dinged up and it's, you can see, Kevin King might do all right against the Cooper Cup that's on a bad knee. Then all of a sudden you take Jair Alexander and you completely ro- lock down Robert Woods. Yeah. Who are they going to get the ball to? It's going to well, be Jared the Cam Goff's a- going to have to be handing it off. Exactly. It's going to have to turn into the Cam Akers show. Yeah, Jared Goff. <laughs> now you have a limited quarterback and you've limited both their top, well, I guess the knees limiting Cooper Cup, but then you have both of their top receivers that are probably going to be able to be shut down decently well by the Packers' two top corners. Yeah. It's going to come down to stopping Cam Akers. And with how the Packers have played the run the last few weeks of the season, I like their chances with Aaron Rodgers throwing the football versus Cam Akers running the Packers football. Packers defense has definitely skyrocketed. It's been marketably better these past couple of weeks here. And, yes, they have been clogging up the middle of that. They have been stopping the run. They have been looking good. And Jared Goff just literally had thumb surgery. His thumb was huge in that win over the Rams. I don't know how Russell Wilson can sleep at night or how Sierra lets him sleep in the same bed as her. As he said, you let a guy with one hand beat you, Mr. Unlimited? Jared Goff has not looked obvious. I mean, he had surgery on his thumb. He's, that's who the Packers are going against. Or a guy named John Walford, who had his bell rung, probably doesn't even know his name right now. He's probably, he's probably wondering how he got in the NFL, like all of us are wondering how he got into the NFL. The Packers on offense, how is the Rams offense going to keep up with the Packers offense? We have the MVP and Aaron Rodgers, the best wide receiver in the game. I know Jalen Ramsey might slow him down a little bit, but it's Devontae Adams, the best wide receiver in the game. There's a reason why you're that good is because you excel no matter who is on you. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Aaron Jones, time, phenomenal at the running back position. you got other guys stepping up now, uh, Bob Tunyon as well. How is Jared Goff with his one hand going to be able to keep up with the Packers' offense. And to your point with the injuries, too, with Cooper Cup. It's not, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I see the Packers eating. Don't forget about the boat. Who knows if he's going to be active. Blake Bortles? Instead of John Walford with the stinger on yeah, his neck. Yeah, you can see Blake Bortles. Hey, he's got some pedigree when it comes to playoffs. Remember that AFC championship game? <laughs> was it against the Patriots? Yeah, when he was with the Jags. Yeah. I will say this. The Jags should have won that game. They should have. That was a good. They had a good defense on that team. But I, I don't. You know who's on that team, Rowdy, on the Jags on defense? Miles Jack. Well, he was on that. <laughs> but I don't think that's the player you're looking for. Um, Rowdy, I am loving. It was the J. It was Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah. I lo- <laughs> I love the Packers on offense going. Or let me rephrase that. I love the fact that the Packers offense can score at a high level like they have been doing all season. Thirty one point eight. And how in the hell I think this is, is just Jared a, Goff and that offense going to keep up I with the Packers? I think this is just a much different game. Because we, the Rams were one team that in the middle of the season I brought up as a team that I, I think is a bad matchup for the Packers and I'd be concerned about seeing in the playoffs. Yeah. But I also didn't, at the time, Jared Goff was 100% healthy. And Jared Goff was playing much better football. Before the thumb injury, Jared Goff in the second half of the season also wasn't playing the greatest football. So, one, he wasn't playing good football, and then, what was it, the second to the last week of the season, he broke the thumb. Yeah. So, Jared Goff is playing at a different level than when we were talking about that. Also, Aaron Donald is now dinged up. Cooper Cup is now dinged up. That's just adding to the injury. But you look at where Jared Goff is at, 
that's not a good recipe for for the Rams. And and it's telling, and I think Sean McVay knows that by how he was giving Cam Akers the football in that Seattle game and by how he was using John Walford to start. Going to Michigan, take on the Wolverines. Wolverines favored by three and a half points in this game. RJ, you said somehow. You don't, you don't agree with uh, the Wolverines being the favored by three and a half? You're 10-0 and, and you've played two ranked teams so far this year. Um, Badgers with two losses. I guess you could kind of call them bad losses. Uh, hey, Maryland just went and beat Illinois the other night. Don't forget. That's still kind of a bad <laughs> loss. Um, Wisconsin really hasn't traveled, though, yet this season. Right. Christmas was the last time they did. Where they went to Michigan and beat Michigan State? But, I mean, I, I feel this is more of a pick game than anybody should be favored. What do you think, Rowdy? You're the you really got the razor's edge. You're always on the money line or looking around at the lines, I, I don't know. Say. I mean, Michigan's undefeated. I think three and a half may be a little bit too much for Michigan, but it's not something that I'd be willing to bet no, on. No, yeah, you I'm not going to bet you on You look it. at Michigan and you talk about how the freshman down low, Dickinson, has been really good. Well, where have the Badgers struggled? Defense down low. Yes. So, I mean, that's not exactly ideal for the Wisconsin Badgers matchup wise, unless Potter and Reavers finally Reavers. start playing. Like I think a lot of Wisconsin fans know that they can play Reavers. Yeah. That, uh, that dude is uh, what? Seven, seven, one, seven, two. Now is that a basketball? Seven, one, seven, two. They put his shoes on and add a couple inches or is he actually that tall? That guy is a beast though. Um, I'm very excited to see is Wisconsin, Michigan getting underway. And yeah, to your point, Rowdy, um, down low, the defense for the Badgers has been very suspect. We saw it against Maryland where they got, like, dominated. And then uh, where do we see that again? It was against Indiana where Indiana was kind of having their way down low, and then Greg Gard got fed up. Well, even like, to a you point, know what? I'm sticking with these five guys for 16-plus minutes. Even to a point, <laughs> look at the Marquette game. Yeah. They had, what was it, the young freshman, too, that played really well down low, and it gave Wisconsin fits. Yeah. They ended up losing that game, too. So that's like, I think that's the, I don't know if that's the Achilles heel, but that's the blueprint, I guess, to beat Wisconsin is you pound it down low and see what version of Nate Reavers and Micah Potter show up in that defense down low because that's where they're suspect. We did see them, you know, turn it around against Minnesota like that. Um, But outside of that, it's a nice test for the Badgers. I like to see where they stack up against, you know, well, whenever you listen team like to the Michigan. broadcast to the to the Wisconsin broadcast early in the season, what did they always talk about? They always were saying, "Well, Wisconsin's deep at, you know, in the front court. They have a they have a bunch of or they have two bigs that they can rotate and play. Where a lot of these Big Ten teams in these physical games normally have like one. Yeah, but they're they're physical physical bigs. Wisconsin's might have an advantage here because they have two. They have Reavers and Potter. Yeah. Well, the thing is. Reavers hasn't played as physical as he's played in the past, and Potter's really no. never been a physical player, both at Ohio State and when he's been at Wisconsin. He'll give you energy, but he's not necessarily a physical guy down low. And then you look at guys on that roster for Wisconsin that are big men. Carlson's obviously hurt, hasn't played in over a month. Yeah. And then you look at back injury. You look at some of the other guys. What is it? Crowell, he's probably not exactly ready for a Michigan oh, yeah. well, type game where he gets more than no. a, a five minutes we're in the game. We're not seeing him. And same thing with Hedstrom. That's probably a guy that will yeah. never really be that ready to go and play in matchups like this. So it's going to come down to Reavers and Potter. 
And in my opinion, you know what Micah Potter is. You know he's a good shooter. You know he's a guy that he'll bring slam the ball. He'll bring energy and and play decent help defense. But he's not a guy that's going to go one on one in the post with a guy that's going to be physical. So this so it's um, got to be Reavers that steps up. Yeah, mm-hmm. this Hunter Dickinson has scored in double digits in every game and has already three double doubles. On the flip side, though, for Wisconsin, it's been the guard play of Dimitri Trice, averaging more than 22 points over the past four games. Trice was phenomenal in that double OT win over Indiana. The little chef kisses. Dimitri Trice has been just a treasure to watch this year. Well, if you read any of the things about, like, from Michigan uh, beat writers and bloggers and all that, uh, this is the game they're worried about because it'll be Dickinson's first real test with guys who are around his size. Yep. Um, so yeah, like well, I mean, you look said, at you got to hope that Reavers and Potter oh, make that step up. Well, Reavers has like shied play, away this play season. like they have in the past on being physical defenders. I want to see the complete game against Reavers, and I said that last game we didn't see it. I think this game against Michigan, if Reavers can have a complete game with a guy that's seven one, in um. You know the the big boy that they got in freaking uh, uh, Dickinson. Then I'll be like, okay, I, I'm I'm calming myself a little bit with Reavers. What Rowdy? Well, you look at who Michigan has played and Minnesota. They don't necessarily have a big dominant big. Northwestern, same thing. Mm-hmm. Maryland, we obviously we've seen them too. They don't have really anyone they want to play that's over six foot seven. Yeah. Penn State, they normally in the past have shorter teams yeah. where they don't normally have a a big man. Now, that was a closer game for Michigan. But, yeah, outside of that, the only team they've really played that you could say has more big men is Nebraska. But we know Nebraska's quality of play is not to the same level of Wisconsin. So, yeah, they haven't really seen any quality big men. And the big men they have seen are from Nebraska, which really (laughs) doesn't scare many people in the Big Ten. Wisconsin Badger basketball getting after it as they're going to undefeated Michigan 10-0. Michigan moving up in the AP Top 25. Michigan has moved up three spots to number seven, and Wisconsin has moved down one to number nine. So we got a battle of top tens at the Chrysler Center as Michigan looking to uh, supplant their dominance at, early dominance in the Big Ten as they are number one. Wisconsin is third. So you look at this matchup tonight, very excited. And Kyle called in last week there before we hit uh, the break there, and he said he wants to see Johnny Davis. Getting the start, the pride of the pride of lacrosse getting the start, Rowdy, over Nate Reavers to show him what's up because Jonathan Davis's defense was looking pretty good last game against Indiana. His offense wasn't quite there. I think he was like two for eleven, two for ten. But Johnny Davis had big timely rebounds and some good shutdown defense. Gardo does talk about though the minutes of Jonathan Davis going up. Here's more from Greg Gard. He can make up for some mistakes just with athleticism and length and that factor. You know, I think he's learning on the fly. There's times where, as we've talked, he is kind of in wrong position, wrong time on both ends of the floor, does get overwhelmed sometimes with it mentally. It's spinning really fast for him, but I think just the instincts and the athletic ability allow him to make up for maybe not knowing exactly what he's supposed to be doing or where he's supposed to be. So Gard talking a lot about there about, you know, the freshman mistakes because yes I'm sure you're here on the broadcast tonight Jonathan Davis is a true freshman but you're going to live with that because of the talent that he brings and the upside that he has Uh, here's more from Gardo about Jonathan Davis a baptism by fire 
I thought the other night he defensively in the rebounding aspect, he really helped us went and got some balls that were 50-50 balls were just the athleticism. You can't teach that. That's just him going and getting it. And we got to continue to work on shot selection and the types of shots and get him to play off two feet more. But I like that he's aggressive. I'd rather have him that way. And then let's fine tune the finishing part of it than having him be shy offensively. So even his teammates, Jonathan Davis, obviously are taking notice of what uh... – the freshman can do. Here is uh, Micah Potter on Johnny Davis. The biggest thing is he attacks the rim, or if he has the ball or not. You know, he's always he's active. You know, in rebounding, that's the biggest thing, especially for a guard. Guards have a tendency to not go box out as much. So a guy like that who's constantly has that motor to go attack and get rebounds, and obviously he's super long and athletic. You know, having the balances he does and the athleticism he does, he can react and go move and get balls a lot easier than a lot of other guys. So what we're going to be watching a lot, Rowdy, is I want to see and Kyle. I love the bravado of the phone call. At 608-321-1670, I know Gardo's listening. I love that you you called your shot and said if you were coaching, you'd have Jonathan Davis starting and Reavers on the bench watching. I think we're going to see Reavers starting the game because who's going to be guarding Michigan Center, Hunter Dickinson, all seven, one of them? It's going to be Nate Reavers. Nate Reavers needs to have Rowdy. We said it last game against Indiana that Reavers, we want to see a complete game from him. Well, in the first half, Interesting. We'll leave it at that. Uh, I described it as when you see like uh, in a National Geographic show where a giraffe, a baby giraffe is born or maybe like a fawn for a white-tailed deer or, you know, just a, like a baby calf maybe when they're trying to get their legs and they're so wobbly and they keep falling down. That was like Nate Reavers in the first half. was better in the second half in overtime. But my God, we need to see a complete game. And what better way to do it than undefeated Michigan against Hunter Dickinson? Yeah, Nate Reavers is supposed to be the Wisconsin Badgers' rim protector, right? If yes. there was one guy that. He's the all time blocks leader. If there was one guy on the team that you would say that's Wisconsin's rim protector, it would have to be Nate Reavers. Once you say it's the. Whoever is the all time active. All time blocks leader who's active, it would be him, right? And he, he fits that bill, and he's the biggest, most solid big man that probably plays overall the best defense. He yep. has to be that rim protector, but when your rim protector is not playing good, solid defense, staying in front of people, instead kind of playing this Ole BS <laughs> and just trying to block everything, he's not even tops on the team in rebounding. And what do you ask from a rim protector? Re- you protect the rim and you rebound. Yeah, don't give that, me that Ole BS, Dorn. I that, mean, reverse. That's like your two main goals, right? <laughs> yeah. He's third on the team in rebounding. He's the tallest person on the team. Who's number one? Is it Michael Potter? Potter. Who's two? Johnny Davis. Hell yeah. A guard. Hell yeah. Go Johnny Davis. Let's I go, mean, baby. Nate Reavers is 6'10", 6'11", and he's averaging about four rebounds a game. This Hunter Dickinson I mean, guy is good. To be, the, to be the rim protector and a guy that's focusing on playing good defense and rebounding the basketball – that's not cutting it. Wolverine seventh in the country. Wisconsin down one spot to ninth. The disrespect. Come on. We just beat Indiana in double OT. First road game since Christmas Day, where Wisconsin went, obviously, uh, to the Breslin Center and took down Michigan State. Now we got the Chrysler Center. Let's go. Okay, so, Rowdy, um, looking at this, we I, I mean, I think we all want to see a big game from Nate Reavers. I think that's how they're going to be able to win this game, by containing... Uh, they're big man for Michigan, Hunter Dickinson, all seven, one of them. So Wisconsin, though, uh, the Wisconsin, the underdog is 16-5 and five against the spread in the last 21 meetings between these teams. Badgers, tons of experience, obviously, with uh, that five starting five that are seniors. Badgers, 
let's see, Dimitri Trice leading the way for the offense. He is the top scorer, sitting at 14.8 points per game. He's ditching out a team-high 3.7 assists while playing a team-high 30.7 minutes. In fact, in that double OT victory against Indiana, I think he played a career-high 48 minutes. So Dimitri Trice has been just a, a treasure to watch this season, shooting 42.2% from three-point range, and he is one of three players who are above 42% from there. So Badgers, how about this? Against the spread, the three-point shot is critical for Wisconsin. They're 9-3-1 ATS in their last 13 games against a team with a winning percentage above 600. How about that stat? As uh, Brad Davison, uh, let's see here, top option shooting at 43.8%, and Micah Potter is hitting 43.3% as well. Potter, though, uh, not the greatest of defense when compared to um, you know Nate Reavers, because that's why everyone was asking us the other day, why was Reavers benched for so long in that double OT win against Indiana? Because we saw that little freakout that he had. Well, after talking to my sports director, Zach Heilprin, Nate Reavers always gets a little hard on himself if he uh, is bad on the defensive end or you know screws up offensively and will do a little freak out like that. Uh, Gardo just said he had enough with everyone else, and that's why he went with the – it was Davison, Reavers, Johnny Davis, Demetri Trice, and Tyler, and Tyler Wall. That's why you saw those guys for literally the last, what, seven minutes in the second half all the way until – the conclusion in double overtime. Gardo said he had enough with everyone else's defensive play. I think another thing that we haven't really touched on a whole lot, but it's something that I've noticed, especially getting into Big Ten play. Do you remember when they were playing the Arkansas Pine Pine, uh, Pine Bluff? Pine Bluff. They were playing the Eastern Illinois of the world. Yeah. Obviously, those were teams that teams that were had lesser ability, right? Yes. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Obviously, the Michigans of the world, the Indianas of the world are better basketball teams. A little different than Eastern Illinois. But one thing that I think that has been pretty critical to the Badgers is when they were playing those lesser teams, remember when they were playing like 10 guys? Yeah. Well, all of a sudden you get into the Big Ten season. Short bench. And you start, yeah, exactly. Your bench becomes shorter of the guys that you're really playing in rotation. Well, if you remember, they were playing the five that they normally start, and then you had... Uh, the likes of Trevor Anderson was getting a lot of time. Ben Carlson was getting a lot of time. Stephen Crowell was getting some playing time. And, and some of these guys that were coming off the bench were playing more minutes. Now they have lesser time. You don't even really see Stephen Crowell at all. But another big one that I think is key is Ben Carlson. And we know that he's had that injury. Yeah. That's another that guy that's 6'9", could shoot a little bit, and played really well for a freshman. That's a guy that could have taken some of the pressure off of Micah Potter and Nate Reavers if they were playing bad or a guy to get in there for a different spark because he does a little bit something different than Reavers and Potter, but he's been injured. So they haven't had that luxury Mm -hmm. of being able to play Ben Carlson more because he was still averaging, what, 10 to 12 minutes a game? Overall, God, he hasn't and played he, since what, like this? Yeah, December. he really hasn't played since like the early a December. Month. Yeah. I think I think it was the Green Bay game was the last time he played, and that was December first. So I think that's that's kind of something. Yeah, we really he had 16 minutes that game, and then he never saw him again. Yeah, that's something that we really haven't talked about. But I think if Ben Carlson was healthy and, and playing, I take more, that back. He played against Marquette too. Sorry, this team would look different, and you wouldn't be so worried about uh, Reavers and Potter. You'd still be concerned. 
but it would be able to, I guess, maybe hide it a little bit better because now taking Carlson out there, Steven Crowell was even less ready than Carlson, and he was the only other guy that was getting more minutes in that rotation. Now you basically just have Micah Potter and Nate Reavers being the real true bigs on the court. Yeah, all right, so doing a little digging here on the box scores, the last major minutes that Ben Carlson had was 10 minutes against Marquette. That was December 4th. And then they really dropped down. As Rhode Island, he played only, I want to say, three minutes. Yeah, he played. But he was nursing an injury, and now all of a sudden you haven't really seen him. He played three minutes against Rhode Island, and then he played one minute after that. Um, Who was after Rhode Island? Loyola, Sister Jean. And then you never saw him again. So the December 15th is the last time we heard of him. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to lean on their senior experience. I mean, that's what the Badgers are going to do. Um I just but hope I think that it's they can telling. contain this Dickinson guy. I think it's telling because we've talked about how they've been – they're an old team. They're senior-laden. Like the the youngest starter is Brad Davison who's been there for four years, but he just happens to be young for his grade, so he's 21. Yeah. But I think it's pretty telling when you have a guy that was voted third team all Big Ten in Nate Reavers – that you had to have two other players that were also captains on that team and around for a long time to basically get his head out of his ass and start playing basketball. Yeah, uh, that's a funny I think story. that should be pretty telling because that's Nate Reavers, a guy that's been there four years. You had to have the other older guys tell him, "Dude, start playing now." Yeah, to quote, uh, someone told me they, who they never swear, Trice and Potter. It was something along as I've get your effing head out of your effing a. 